This is the Action Network Podcast. It's on target, and it is good. Wow. All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's down to seven seconds. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Legends. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Shock it all in college basketball. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Action Network podcast. This is the College Basketball Conference Tournament Betting Preview Part 2. I'm stuck in with me, as always, is Colin Wilson and Mike Randall. Hope you boys have had your sleep. I don't think there's going to be much sleep opportunity until April. Uh, What's going on, Colin? How was your weekend? Just sad there's only one segment in this podcast I get to talk about how Arkansas is going to win the SEC in the national championship. No, the the weekend was great. I love getting my eyes on games like Wagner and Mount St. Mary's where there are fouls being called with no time running off the clock and overs magically getting there. I mean, the, the craziness of March is back. The, the fans may not be all back, but the craziness is back. We will have a chance to rant before we get into, I think we have like 16 conference tournaments to get to that start this week. This is a jam-packed episode. We also have Kyle McEwen, who will give some of his thoughts from three-man weave later in the show. Uh, Randall, what's going on? How was your weekend? Yeah, good, except for the early part of Sunday. I mean, after watching, I thought Hofstra was going to self-destruct again like they have all year against Delaware. They did not. And then Memphis, for some reason, guys, I just have a blind spot with Memphis. I'm waiting for them to fall apart and do the old missing free throws and get sloppy. But they hung tough at Houston, lost at the buzzer. And then, of course, Tennessee wakes up just in time to come back on a shorthanded Florida. But, of course, what takes the cake, boys, is Joe Wieskamp's injury with Iowa, who was cruising in that game against Wisconsin. And then they had to come back and barely hold them off. Yeah, that was a big one. It looks like he's going to be okay uh, from what I've read. I don't know if they will push him that hard. We'll talk about that when we get to the Big Ten. And you have, I was an interesting team because you have like Frederick and you have Wieskamp, two of the most important players who are kind of banged up. So like, do they, why risk pushing them, right? When you're going to be around a a two seed and risk injury before the tournament. Uh, Those are some of the things that we will talk about. I guess we don't, we don't even need to get into rants from the weekend. We can just go right into it. All right, let's start with the ACC tournament, which will get underway on Tuesday afternoon. starts off with Pittsburgh and Miami on Tuesday afternoon. Yes, that's a hey, very nice. Very nice. That's, that game's going to be way too, way too many people are going to bet that game. But it's at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. Every team makes it in the ACC. Greensboro, North Carolina. If you look at the bracket, the thing that jumps out is Duke is a 10 seed. And what does that mean? Duke, in order to win the ACC tournament, will have to win five games in five days. Pretty wild. Uh, Virginia is the top seed because Florida State somehow inexplicably lost, got blown out at Notre Dame, and then Virginia beat Louisville, and they stole the top seed. So 
Uh, let's take a look at this bracket. What jumps out at you? I'll start with you, Randall. I don't think I'll have anything here, but I love to play some devil's advocate. So, Randall, I'll start with you. What do you got in the ACC conference tournament? Yeah, I think there's a huge difference between these sides of the bracket. And the one that jumped out to me was Georgia Tech right away. I mean, Alvarado has been fantastic. One of the more underappreciated point guards in the country, Jose Alvarado, 15 points, four boards, four assists, three steals. And then Moses Wright, who was just named ACC Player of the Year. I look at their bracket. I don't think they're going to have trouble with Clemson, Pitt, Miami. I think that's a pretty good double by opponent, regardless of who they get. They'll have UVA, and they have played UVA tough. They have no problem playing that style. They can get down and dirty and play defense as well. And I think the most the thing that jumped out at me is that Florida State, Louisville, Virginia Tech, all on the other side of the bracket, even Duke, if you want to say they're going to make a run and Coach K Magic, all on the other side. So basically it comes down to can Georgia Tech win one game and all the other teams are going to beat each other up before they get to the championship. So right away for our action piece, I really like Georgia Tech because I like their draw. That's basically what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with anything he said because I think that part of the bracket is where the sweet spot of the numbers are from a betting standpoint. Georgia Tech 25 to 1. Clemson 20 to one. So Clemson has to win a game against Pittsburgh or Miami and then play Georgia tech, but Georgia tech has, you know, better odds. And if you look at, you know, Ken Palm projections, Georgia tech versus Clemson is going to be about a pick em game. Either of them are going to be about a three to five point underdog to Virginia after that. So yeah, in the semifinals, you're going to be clawing, but I mean, I can make a case for splitting a full unit, just split, you know, get two half unit bets, put it on Georgia Tech, put it on Clemson, and you're going to have a team playing in the semifinals against Virginia where you can start doing your work. And if you look at, like, since February 1st, these are the two hottest teams uh, in the ACC right now. The Tigers have won six of their past seven games with their lone loss coming against a zone defense at Syracuse. And, you know, Clemson's not known for being a powerhouse, but in the past five weeks, the Tigers are third in effective field goal percentage and, you know, they they had the best shooting percentage from three-point territory at 41%. So, they are hot right now. Georgia Tech, what I love about them, they've won six straight. Uh, they've dominated the ACC in the paint as to where Clemson has been hot from outside the arc. Georgia Tech's done all their work on the blocks. They rank first in two-point percentage at 55%. Uh, you know, turnovers are the name of the game for the Yellow Jackets on defense. They rank first in the ACC in steal percentage. I love this pod of Georgia Tech and Clemson. I think you should split a half unit on both and, uh, you know, 20, 25 to one are some of the numbers I'm seeing out there. First of all, shop, shop around for the best number. I'm seeing out there Georgia Tech 8 to 1, Georgia Tech 25 to 1. I mean, do you understand how big of a difference that is? There are drastic differences in these conference tournament prices. And another another thing is this is especially this could be true with a lot of teams, but this is especially true with the blue bloods. With teams, you know, people, they're big fan bases and just casual betters want to bet Duke, Kentucky. To make a run that, you know, Duke and Kentucky's household names that might need to win their conference tournaments to get in the dance. What are you seeing out there with Duke? I'm looking right now. I'm seeing a 20 to one out there, for example. They got to win five, five games in five days. You will get a better price on them, but depending on just doing a money line rollover parlay, which is where these things could come into play. For example, Kentucky, I'm seeing a 20 to one out there when we get to the SEC. Kentucky starts with Mississippi State. Game's probably going to be, you know, there'll be a small favorite, um, maybe a pick, but I, I think that there would be a small favorite there. Then you know that they're going to get Alabama next. Alabama may be a five, six-point favorite. Then you know that they're going to get either Tennessee or Florida. Fairly similar teams. We can easily project. They're, 
that line. And then even if you assume, okay, Kentucky has momentum, they've won three in a row, you're adjusting their power rating. Say they're a four-point under, three or four-point underdog in the in the championship game against LSU or Arkansas. Well, parlay all those games together, you're talking about 40, 45 to one instead of the 20 to one. So if you think Duke makes a run, if you think Kentucky makes a run, the money line rollover for those two teams are the much better option. What I mean by that is you take whatever your bet size, take $100, you put it on Duke money line in the first game, whatever you netted, you know, so if you bet 100 to win, whatever it is, if it's 100 to win 30, then you would take the 130, you'd put it on money on the next, and then you continue on and on. So, but back to the ACC, my only concern, and at 25 to one, yes, I would really like Georgia Tech. I love their team, but my only concern with Georgia Tech, and it's probably why I will ultimately stay away from a future here. I mean, Virginia Tech has been yeah, dealing with breaks in action, and I, can I, I can't really trust them. Florida State, I think they're the best team in the ACC. Curious effort against Notre Dame, but don't see much value with them. But when so, uh, yeah, I was circling Georgia Tech. Won't be an easy game against Clemson. They did at Clemson. They should have won that game. And then Clemson hit, banked it a three at the buzzer to win. But Georgia Tech, they have no, like you said, they have no issues playing Virginia because they have the shooters. They have lots of shooters uh, that could shoot over that pack line and score. Both games, they could have easily won, but they folded late in both. They, they kind of ran out of steam and uh, and one of the games, P.A. Clark hit a bunch of threes, which is like uh, he never does. And it was kind of fluky. But Georgia Tech did kind of run out of steam in the first matchup with Virginia. That's my concern with them. So in order for Georgia Tech to win this, they're going to have to win three games in three days. And, you know, the first game against Clemson, it'll be a, a grinder. And then you play Virginia, another grinder. Will they have legs on Saturday? And if you're at 25 to one, and if you want, you can hedge. But this Georgia Tech team is not deep. Um, they are not deep. They want to play faster. And you've seen it a couple times this year when they've had a quick turnaround. You know, they beat Florida State on a Saturday. They played Louisville on a Monday and got blown out. Um, you know, you've seen them run out of steam after uh, in a few spots. Now they're three games in three days for a team that's 337th in bench minutes. They pretty much are going to go – what, six, that's it? They go six deep. Alvarado, DeVoe, you know, Usher, Parham, Moses right inside, and Cleed Moore. I mean, that's it. They, they are not deep. So that is my concern is with the legs of Georgia Tech in three games in three days. Uh, any thoughts there, Randall? Yeah, uh, no, the issue, too, in the bottom of the bracket is no Malik Williamson for Louisville, which is going to hurt them. But when they played Florida State the first time, they didn't have him either. So – I don't think, you know, Florida State is Florida State. They can beat anyone. They could absolutely go in and beat a Gonzaga or Baylor, and none of us would be surprised. But there's a flip side to that coin. They could also really struggle. And any team where Carly Jones, he can take over a game. We saw it in the Duke game in, the, in overtime. So I know Louisville's shorthanded. I just think that's a very, very tough game. You have Virginia playing Syracuse, right? Let's assume it's Syracuse or NC State. Georgia Tech against Clemson away, the different story. Virginia Tech against North Carolina. I think Florida State is the hardest potential second game there, their, their opening game that they would play of anyone, which is why I kind of feel like, you know, Florida State, people may like it. Was it like three to one right now for Florida State? I get it. I just look to the, towards Georgia Tech because I, I just like they have big time people. They have a point guard. They have inside. They're well coached. They have good chemistry. I just like that draw better with Virginia. Yeah, that just – but Louisville, the other concern, yeah, they don't have Malik Williams. And if you want – 
if you wanted to consider Louisville, problem with them, just like Georgia Tech, and Louisville's going to have to win one extra game. In order for Louisville to win this, they're going to win four games in four days. They have, yeah, Malik Williams is there. They played played without him a lot this year, but they have zero depth as well. They're, I think, bottom 20 in the country in bench minutes. They right now are going like six deep. That's not great when you have to try to win four games in four days. At least Georgia Tech is only three in three days, but Louisville just has absolutely no depth right now. Um, that's one of the advantages that Florida State will have. Uh, Virginia's not a deep team either, but they just, they, I mean, with their style, it doesn't really matter. Um, so a lot, a lot of intriguing teams. And then, uh, look, if you really wanted to take a, a long shot here, um, maybe you look at Syracuse. Um, yep. It's an, yep. another team with no bench. A lot of these teams in the ACC have just no bench at all. Syracuse right now is going – 60, but also with Richmond, that's it, who's been banged up. There's so many of these ACC teams that are just six deep. Um, Louisville, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, and Syracuse uh, and Syracuse is going to have to win four games in four days. But they play, you know, they're going to play in a, a grinder with Virginia. Look, their zone, it's just that in a tournament setting that they can get hot. The big wild card there is they start off with NC State. And this is an NC State team that suddenly – shorthanded has won five in a row seem to be kind of surging of late. So that's what they'll start out with, but Syracuse in a tournament setting, always semi intriguing as a long shot. So uh, yeah, I don't hate Georgia tech, especially if you can get 20, 25 to one with eight, eight to ones out there. My only concern is the legs, which is my concern for a lot of these teams that would look potentially intriguing. As we go through all these tournaments, I think it's important that if you're looking for teams that are going to have to play four games in a row, you're going to want to concentrate on bench minutes. Like Florida State, for example, is 22nd in the nation. That's because they go nine deep in guys that play at least 16% of the minutes. So if you're going to look for somebody to win four straight, you know, make sure that you grab bench minutes because it's just highly improbable for anybody that's running a six-man rotation to go to win that many games in a row. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even Duke right now, they're not deep and they're going to have to win five and five days. That's an issue. Um, all right. Let's move on to a, another conference tournament that starts on Tuesday and that's Conference USA. This will be held in Frisco, Texas, I think like some of the games are they go on at the same time. Like there's curtains that separate them. I'm gonna have to look into this, but I think in these games, it's a weird gym, and the unders have been really good early on. I'll look into it. I'll put that in some of our previews. The top seed, there's just divisional format, so there was two divisions. The top seed in the East was Western Kentucky, and the West was Louisiana Tech. But they will both get buys into the quarterfinals on Thursday, as will UAB and Old Dominion. Both of those were two seeds in each division. When I look at this bracket, I mean, you could throw out the teams that start on Tuesday are going to have to win five games in five days against the conference with a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah I think that this is realistically six teams, seven teams that aren't that far apart as far as power ratings or talent level. You can throw UTEP in there, maybe. We're talking minor nation. Out in the West Texas town of El Paso. Picks up. 
Rice, Southern Miss, Middle Tennessee, FIU. I mean, you could throw them out that start on Tuesday. Um, so we could focus on the rest of the conference. My team that I'm circling here, sticking with my guns, by the way, did not work out for uh, Furman. I'm still devastated that Furman blew that lead. Against VMI, up 10 late and uh, give up a 10-0 run and lose in overtime. But I digress. Uh, I'm, I'm really intrigued here by Marshall. It's a team that doesn't really match up well with North Texas. They can have some problems with Louisiana Tech stylistically. They're both on the other side of the bracket. They'll have to start out with Rice or Southern Miss. They should win that game. Then they will play UAB. You know, Marshall doesn't really turn the ball over in UAB. I, I, I'm not a believer in UAB's offense. And UAB, their defense, which is grades out really well, does rely on forcing turnovers, which is something that Marshall won't do. They have excellent guards. And, I mean, the top 40 in turnover rate with Kinsey and West, they, they just don't turn the ball over. They play a really unique style. They want to get out and run and get out and transition, shoot a lot of threes as much as possible. It's great offense. They're actually playing better defense than you would expect from a Dan D'Antoni team. Um, but Marshall, they don't have that coveted double buy. But with the way that they play, it's just a hard team to play in a tournament setting. So once they get to the semis, like on a back-to-back and then the championship uh, on Saturday, on a back-to-back-to-back, with their, the way that they play. Um, so Marshall is an intriguing team for me. I will probably be on them in some capacity. I could make arguments for almost every other team um, as to why they'll play. Marshall, by the way, would have to play Western Kentucky in the semis. Western Kentucky – Probably the most talented team overall. Very Jekyll and Hyde. And they beat Marshall both times in the regular season, but both were pretty close. Marshall actually missed a shot at the buzzer to win at home. Uh, I don't think that game is not winnable. I think it would actually be closer to a coin flip. Randall, um, I know you have some thoughts on Conference USA. What do you got here? Yeah, I'm with you, man. It's a wide open. This is a fun one. This is going to be a really, really good tournament. The team that I'm targeting is Louisiana Tech. They're one of the few teams that entered here with momentum. They won the West at 12 and four, one game ahead of UAB. And I agree with you, stuck about UAB. I've watched them so many times. There are three to five minute stretches when they're putting up shots that are not even hitting the rim. I mean, they, they, they put shots off the backboard from three point range regularly that don't hit the rim. So I think their offense is limited, but the Bulldogs are conference USA second rated team in Kim Pond. They're right behind North Texas, North Texas, by the way, is entering this tournament, losing three games in a row. So I think they've cooled a little bit. They have that unbalanced schedule, but Louisiana Tech is the only team that can boast that they beat Western Kentucky away, North Texas away, and UAB twice. So they've beaten those other three top teams across the board. Conkle's philosophy, the head coach, man-to-man, right? Get up on you. They have the best defense last year per Ken Palm, and again this season, they held opponents just 45% from effective field goal percentage and 28% from beyond the arc. And I really value defending the three-pointer because I feel like that's the way that teams that are subpar can stay in the game. If you defend that and you make them score against you in other ways, I think it puts a ceiling on that upset possibility. I like their draw. I like that North Texas is going to battle ODU in the round before them. And I like that Marshall, because I think they're a sleeper also, is on the other side of the bracket. I get Western Kentucky. But Western Kentucky with Bassing inside, he can get a little flaky. Sometimes they don't bring the effort. I love the balance with Louisiana Tech. They have Crawford and Lofton inside. They have Ledeau. And Ledeau, over the last three games, he's shooting 60%, 12 of 20 from three-point range. So they bring the defense, and they just need to have offense, with the, which they've shown recently. Louisiana Tech, I know they're one of the favorites, but I'm fine with it. Plus 300, I like their draw. I think it's going to be one of these top teams because, like Stucky said, I I think getting a run here late from the preliminary round of the first round is going to be tough. But to me, they're playing the best. They've beaten all the other teams. They're head and shoulders above. I like the Bulldogs. 
I'll go Marshall. I I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I wouldn't wouldn't go below five to one on Marshall. Colin, do you have any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, just for me, I thought this one was Western Kentucky or Louisiana Tech meeting up in the finals. These are the two best free throw rate shooting teams. I wanted to make a case for North Texas sleeping in their own beds at night, considering Denton is so close to Frisco, but they just lost at home twice in a row to UAB, so there's not much love for me there. Uh, I'm going to take the teams with the best free throw shooting rates and defensively best free throw rates. Uh, that would be Western Kentucky and Louisiana Tech. Yeah, I mean, North Texas, they're a really intriguing team, well-coached, great defense. They play so slow, though. So slow. Um, they could defend Marshall and take Marshall out what, what Marshall wants to do. That's the team that I'm really afraid of for Marshall. But, I mean, the way that North Texas plays, is uh, almost everyone can be in the game with them. Um, that's what really scares me. Now, I don't think Middle Tennessee or FIU can give them problems, but that ODU game you easily could go either way. If you're looking for a single-game bet, though, considering the fact that nobody's ever played in this arena and there's a curtain involved, and, I mean, I, I preach this all the time with these conference tournaments and when we go into March Madness into the big tournament, when these teams are playing in an unfamiliar environment with a bigger stadium than they're what they're used to, their sight lines to the rim are not so good. And if you're looking at, say, a North Texas team whose tempo is extremely slow going up against Middle Tennessee, who also runs an extremely slow tempo, that's a first half under banger. So keep that in mind, too. This is Action Network podcast producer Matt Mitchell here to tell you our friends at BetMGM have a great new sign-up offer for our listeners, a $600 risk-free first bet. Here's how it works. If you don't already have an account at BetMGM, just sign up, make your first deposit, and place that initial wager. If the bet wins, you get all the money. If it doesn't win, BetMGM will refund you in free bets up to $600. It's that simple. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. BetMGM has been a great podcast partner, and they've got all the features gamblers like us love, like live betting and daily odds boosts. Plus, they're compatible with BetSync, so when you place a wager at BetMGM, that bet can automatically be tracked in your action app. So open an account today and make your first bet risk-free up to $600. Just click on the link in this episode description to get started. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Michigan, New Jersey, Colorado, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa, Virginia, Tennessee, Nevada, or Pennsylvania. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Or 1-88-532-3500 in Virginia. BetSync not available in Nevada. Thanks for listening. Now back to the show. All right, let's move on to the Mountain West Conference Tournament. And I know that there's probably going to be some hot takes here. This, I think this is one of the more intriguing conference tournaments, just period, across the board. And the reason for that is a lot of good potential tournament teams. And the conference has absolutely just ruined things potentially for some of these teams, making them play the play, the makeup games. You have Colorado State lost at the buzzer to Nevada. You have Boise going down to Fresno. All these games are working to do anything for their resume, and they lose, and they potentially could keep them out. So you have San Diego State who's safely in the, in the tournament. Who else is safe in? Nobody. So there is a lot of intrigue here. I look at the top half of the bracket. San Diego State, this starts Wednesday, by the way, in Las Vegas. You have Wyoming, San Jose State, UNLV, Air Force, Fresno, New Mexico playing on that first day. Can UNLV make a run on their, you know, in Vegas? They start with Air Force, then they play Utah State. 
I don't know, they potentially could win a game or two, but not a team that I'm circling to back. But Colorado State is, I think, maybe I'm going to get some agreement here. But you have San Diego State at the top. You can assume they beat Wyoming, San Jose State, they go to the semis. They'll play the winner of Boise, Nevada. That's That could be a war, by the way. Boise is just, uh, I, I mean, I feel bad for them. They were, I thought, headed towards a shoe-in for the NCAA tournament. They lose in overtime to San Diego State. Then they lose another close one to San Diego State. Then they close out the year with a home loss to Fresno. Um, they got swept by Nevada. In one of them, they almost hit a shot to win it, but they got swept by Nevada earlier this year. So they start with Nevada and probably a must win for them. Then they would have San Diego State. They got swept by San Diego State, too. Both games pretty close. They could win that game, too. But Boise at their price price point, I have no interest given their path. Colorado State, similar path, except that instead of Nevada in the first game, they get Fresno or New Mexico. And then instead of San Diego State, they get Utah State. So uh, much more intriguing team for me. Boise State, you can get it four to one. Colorado State, same price. I've seen some five to ones out there on both. Five to one or better, I'm looking at Colorado State. I think that they match up pretty well with Utah State. I expect them to get to the semis. And then we will see what happens at the top half where there could be some carnage or we get San Diego State, who Colorado State did beat in a miracle comeback in splitting two games in San Diego earlier this year. So it's Rams for me. And I hope they do win it so we can get this team in the tournament. Randall, uh, thoughts on Mountain West? Yeah, imagine the Rams getting in this year with that team they have coming back next year. Be great experience. And Nico Medved, I trust. They're the only team in the Mountain West. Just talked about Louisiana Tech. Only team in the Mountain West that defeated San Diego State, Utah State, and Boise State. They have a guard-heavy lineup. They shoot the three really well. Roddy, the body's been fantastic inside. And I know he's undersized against Kata, but this game is not going to be in Utah State, and they already beat them. They have elite perimeter defense. Yes, they did trip up against Nevada there in a game they really wanted because, of course, they were annoyed about San Diego State getting those gifted two forfeits. But Thistlewood fouled out with like eight minutes left in that game, so they were severely shorthanded. They avoid, They face Utah State in the semis, who, like you said, is going to have a tricky game against UNLV probably the game before. Nevada, Boise, San Diego State, all on the other side. And you can't underestimate the confidence of a team that came back at San Diego State, the number one seeded team, in a huge, huge comeback. It's a great game. I love this entire team. I love the way they shoot threes. They play tough. They have a great coach. A lot of great chemistry with Colorado State. And like you said, five to one, six to one, wherever you can get it. That's my team. I want to stay away from the other side of the bracket, and I'll take my chances with them playing Utah State coming off a UNLV game that may be closer than people realize. Yeah, they, Utah State split with UNLV earlier this year. Worcester did come back. their freshman point guard, uh, I think, in their finale. So he is back, which does help them. But um, I would take, if you put a gun in my head, who wins that potential Colorado State-Utah State game? I'm taking Colorado State. Uh, Colin, thoughts on the Mountain West? Well, let's make it a sweet because I was salivating when the odds came out on this tournament because I love the Rams. Uh, you know, sitting with a bye as the number three seed being on the other side of the bracket from San Diego State and Nevada. Colorado State's been hot through conference play. They've racked up 11 victories in their last 13 games. And this is a conference where, you know, winning on the road is is tough. I think it's one of the toughest in the per Ken Palm. Uh, and, you know, Nevada's got a sub-500 record on the road. Uh, you know, uh, San Diego State, Utah State, and Colorado are the only ones to go 500 or above. Uh, you know, Colorado State did sit for multiple weeks in February due to COVID-19 disruption. Uh, they had, you know, New Mexico, Nevada both had trouble with COVID-19. Uh, the layoff didn't really do anything to deter the Rams' office, which is really, really heavily reliant on point distribution from beyond the arc. 
Uh, this is a team that lives and breathes at the charity strike. The Rams are third in the Mountain West in free throw rate. They're first in free throw percentage. Uh, so that means they get to the line often and they make their free throws. That's the kind of team that you want to play on in these single elimination tournaments is teams that get to the line often and more importantly, drill their free shots. And that is Colorado State on a perfect draw. Yeah, I think it's a great point Kyle made about the free throws. They make their free throws. They can control the ball. They're not going to turn it over. The weakness is inside. Roddy has been incredible at six feet five, avoiding foul trouble. They get the rebound and they're selfless. They do all the things that you want a team to do that you're backing in a tournament. Make free throws, play perimeter defense, make three pointers. Don't turn the ball over. Great coach. The box is checked for me with Colorado State. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right, let's move on to the Pac-12. Oh, yeah. Let's do this. And this also will be played uh, in Nevada, T-Mobile Arena, starting on March 10th. Top seed Oregon will get underway on Thursday against either the winner of Arizona State, Washington State, UCLA, Oregon State play in the 4-5 game. In the bottom half of the bracket, you have USC and Colorado, who have buys into the quarterfinals. Uh, when I look at this bracket, I mean, Oregon, I think, is the deserved favorite. By the way, that UCLA meltdown against USC on Saturday. Oh, boy. They they trailed for a total of one second, loss of the buzzer on a three. But Oregon, I think, look, trending up, getting healthier. But, again, shop around. I'm taking just a small shot here. We'll have a piece up with our favorite conference tournament features that we all bet, a big staff piece uh, up on actionnetwork.com, the Action Network app in the morning, or I guess if you're listening to this on Tuesday, they'll be up already. Uh, I'm taking a small shot here with Arizona State, but you have to find a lot of risk here. You have to find that there's an eight, there's an 80 to one out there, right? There's also a 28 to one, a 22 to one. And their opponent in the first game, which you could argue is a coin flip game. Sometimes their opponent on some books will be 66 to one, and then they'll be 28 to one, but there's an 80 to one out there. That's kind of the price point that, that I would need. It's a deep team. And very talented team that underachieved all year. What you're hoping for, and they've they've hardly played together their entire lineup. One of the, I think it's one of the top five most talented teams in the conference by far. You could argue it's the most at full strength. You have to hope that Josh Christopher and Marcus Bagley, who have been in and out of the lineup, they didn't play last weekend. You assume they just held them out because who cares? They have to win the Pac-12 tournament to get into the tournament anyway. Those are two future NBA players. Um, you know, obviously you have Remy Martin at the point. They have a style. They want to play fast. It's a team that could be difficult to play in a tournament setting. They're deep. If they can put it all together, now they would have to play. They would have to beat Washington State. If assume they're healthy, then they'd have to play Oregon. If they get by that game, they can beat UCLA or Oregon State, and then they're in the championship. So you're basically taking them on a fly on a flyer that they're going to be fully healthy. They can put it all together for one game against Oregon. Who I think their guards can have some success against what Oregon wants to do defensively. Can they get stops on Oregon? That's a different question. But Oregon's also not a just big, a dominant team in the interior where Arizona State's a little lacking. So if Arizona State's fully healthy and they can put it all together, if you can get 80 to 1, 28 to 1, don't take, but 50 to 1 maybe or better, 60 to 1, 71, 81, that range, I'm taking a flyer on the Sun Devils. I'll probably be on an island here, but that's who I'm rolling with on one of my darts of the week. Randall, what do you got in the pack? 12. Guys, at BetMGM, they have Southern Cal at plus 225 as the favorite, giving me plus 250 for Oregon. It's not a huge difference, but they're not the favorite. Listen, I liked Oregon State to cover against Oregon the other night at home. They went in and absolutely blitzed them and drilled them from three-point range. So 
I want to look for a flyer. I just don't see it stuck. I don't see it with Arizona State. I like Washington State, actually. They may be a year too early, but I think Arizona State's just been so turnover prone and they just make so many mistakes. I can't see them getting by Oregon. So then they go against UCLA's lost three in a row or Oregon State on a neutral. I don't see that. So Oregon, to me, is one of the easier of all the conference tournaments we're going to talk about today. I see them getting into the finals for sure. If I can get them anywhere where they're not the favorite, even at a small difference, like at BetMGM, I'm fine with it. On the other side of the bracket, Colorado's the big pillow. You know my thoughts on them. I'm never betting them. Utah away from home, forget it. So it's USC, no thanks. I'll take the Ducks. They're just flying high. Duarte's back. Richardson was making threes the other night. Oregon State, he has made threes, you know, for half the year. They are a dangerous team. They're well coached. They're peaking at the right time. You know, one of the futures we talked about, I, I can't go away from them. Just shop around and try not to get them as the favorite and take a slight discount. Colin, what do you got in the Pac-12? I thought Oregon and USC were priced correctly as the two top seeds here. And, and it's really hard for me to try to find somebody to break through that. So if we concentrate on the USC side of the bracket, I think if you're going to get a surprise, it's going to come from over there. But who are you going to take? I mean, when you look at USC's numbers, they love to work in the paint. The best two-point shooting team, uh, you, you know, in, in the Pac-12. But also, they are third in the nation uh, in defense from two-point territory. So they love to work down low and make you work for it. They have the you know the best free throw rate on both sides of the ball. The Trojans do. But at the same time, the thing that scares me about taking USC they can't make free throws. Yeah, the thing that scares me about taking USC. It's not just that they're bad in the Pac-12. They're 327th in the nation at 64.4%. How can you put a future down in any format on a team that you know if they have a lead in a single elimination game, they're going to get put on the line, right, to close out a game? It is. I, I am not comfortable with having money on this USC team. So, you know, you look around, who, who can I go with? Well, Stanford, you know, this is going to be a neutral site for everybody. Stanford's one of the low teams that, you know, finished with a 500 record on the road. Everybody else was really poor at winning games on the road this season. Uh, you know, USC just lost games to Colorado. They just lost a game to Utah. Uh, so there are shots here. I think if you're going to pick one, put it on the opposite side of Oregon and, uh, you know, plan on USC. I, I think they're primed for an upset here because that free throw percentage, it, it's going to catch them at some point, if not in this tournament. At some point. All right, let's move on to the Big Ten tournament. Big Ten Unders. You want to talk about a lot of fun. The potential Big Ten quarterfinals and semifinals should be absolutely exhilarating. All right, so the top four seeds get double buys into the quarterfinals. That's Michigan, Purdue on the top half of the bracket, Illinois, and Iowa on the bottom half of the bracket. And by the way, this tournament starts on Wednesday and will be played in at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Penn State was my team that I, I really wanted to back. Like, this is a team that's dangerous. They really got They got so unlucky, lost so many close games. But they're the 11 seed in the bottom half of the bracket. Illinois and I were the top two seeds in the bottom half. In order for them to win it, they're going to win five games in five days. And it's not a deep Penn State team. It's one of their weaknesses is they're not that deep. That's the thing that scares me there. I wanted to take a shot here. Like, all right, where am I taking a shot? Like, Minnesota's a corpse. Northwestern's not winning five games in five days. So, I, I, you know, Iowa has the injury question marks, right? Illinois has been so good lately that maybe they, maybe they stumble here. Indiana took them to overtime. Rutgers beat Illinois. So, Illinois is going to get the winner of Rutgers-Indiana. Indiana without Armand Franklin, just not the same team. I don't know if we'll be healthy. Apparently it's just, he's not progressing health wise. So I, I want no part of Indiana. So can Rutgers put it together? That's one of the teams I was looking at. And then 
If you can find a 50 to one, like BetMGM, they're 25 to one. Mm-mm, not enough for me. If I could get a 50 to one, which you could find out there, I would take a shot there. Wisconsin, maybe. I mean, they're you have 20 to one at BetMGM, maybe. And that's, do I trust them to beat Penn State? No, but could they beat Iowa if Iowa is just packing it in here? All right, if I was just saying, look, Frederick and Wieskamp, we don't want to push them. I don't, I don't know. Wisconsin, they can't hit a shot all season in, in conference play. Maybe they finally hit shots and put it together for three or four days in Chicago. So that's a team that kind of jumped out to me. I don't have a great feel. I might take a shot with one of those teams. Randall, help me out here in the Big Ten. Yeah, you know, the hold-your-nose play for me, I'll give you two. The, fir- the hold-your-nose play is Wisconsin. That is it, because they have lost five of their last six, but they are a veteran team. Listen, they're going to need some magic on offense. When Micah Potter is making shots, it just opens the offense up. Nate Reavers is a corpse. I don't know what happened to him, but Potter is the key guy for them. They do have guards. They do have a style. They have to make shots, but the defense will be there. They got uh, the benefit in Iowa was a loss, but they did get the benefit there of keeping that game close. That is the team. Like, what's the path, right? If you're not going to take Michigan with the high-flying shooters and Dickinson inside, and you're not, you want to go against Illinois because of the price, that's the path. I think they beat Nebraska or Penn State, who are both sloppy teams that are not near Wisconsin's caliber. Guard is a veteran coach. They then play Iowa, who they know they can play with, and they have to get by Illinois there in the finals. So that's the hold-your-nose play. On the other side of the bracket, why do we not like Purdue? What is the issue with Purdue? They have won five in a row. Their metrics are really strong. Williams inside. And I saw Zach Eady go against Trace Jackson Davis this weekend. Zach Eady has developed more than any other big man in the country. He's an issue down there. They have shooters. Stefanovic is finally recovering from the COVID issues. Jay Nivey hits big shots at the clutch shot. I forget where it was. I think it was, was it at Michigan State or somewhere? Hit a clutch three to win the game for them earlier in the year. You know, if you look at the odds and you don't want to go with one of the big teams, Purdue is 12 to one, Wisconsin's 20 to one. So I can't go down far farther than that. I mean, I love Rutgers. I just don't think they can make the run. 25 to one is not enough for me. So I'm looking at those teams that are sort of a notch below your top four. And I like the odds there. Ohio State's going in the wrong direction, but Wisconsin, can you see them bringing it together with a veteran team, solid guard play, bigs inside that should be able to do something at some point? And Purdue, who's had some really nice mojo and has been playing shorthanded the whole year, I could. So I kind of like that. Ben MGM, I got Purdue 12 to 1, Wisconsin 20 to 1. Yeah, I don't hate. I mean, look, Purdue got blown out by Michigan earlier. Stavanovich didn't play. Edie wasn't the same player that he is today. They have the bigs that can get inside and muscle with Dickinson. I mean, man, man this Purdue team is going to be really scary next year. I mean, Wisconsin, they're not going to beat themselves. They don't turn it over. Number one in the nation. They're great at the free throw line. Brad Davison, the worst two-point percentage of any player since 2007. Uh, crazy. The, ho- but, the hook and hold, Brad Davidson. Hook and hold. Yeah, he's there. shooting 24% from two on the year, which is just shocking. But during conference play, this is supposed to be a good three-point shooting team. They're shooting 32% from three. And teams are shooting 35%. Like, you know, on the year, they're shooting 35% from three. If you look last year, they were 35% from three, 36 in conference play. Eventually, you think this team is going to start hitting a couple more shots, and maybe they can put it together during conference play. Yeah, and I agree with you. Purdue just remains undervalued, I, I think, in the market in general. And they've closed the year really strong. They are deep as well. They have good depth, and they're very well coached. Matt Painter's an excellent coach. Colin, what do you see in the Big Ten? 
Well, I mean, it's okay to like Purdue. I think they are the team out of, out of the teams that are getting double buys, the ones that have they have the most value, especially with Ohio State uh, in their bracket, who's going down like a sinking ship. And, uh, you know, I have no love for Minnesota, you know, trying to win five games in a row and none of these games are being played at Minnesota. Then, you know, I think you kind of have to take a pass here. So Purdue does have a good look to get into the semifinals and holding a 12 to one ticket is, you know, is going to have a lot of value, but let me just square out. I know that this is going to be the most exciting conference tournament, but please, I'll just square out and be the fish here. Who's beaten Illinois. All right. How hot has this team been as much as I love the Razorbacks, as much as I love my team thinking they're the hottest team in the country, they aren't. Illinois is the hottest team in the country. If you go over to Torvik and you look at wins above bubble, right? And if you go back and date it back to February 1st, the hottest team in the nation wins above bubble since February 1st is Illinois. Arkansas is number two. But, I mean, it's just understated that, you know, Sumu has not been there and Illinois had turned into a much better team. Finished the season number one effective field goal percentage, number one in the paint. Uh, if you look at them defensively, they're number one in defensive rebounding percentage. You're not getting any second chance points against these guys. Iowa, listen, that's who they're on track to meet up with in the semifinals. I think Illinois is good enough, you know, defensively to stop them. You know, Michigan, on the other hand, if they can stay out of foul trouble and they can survive Michigan State part three, Purdue uh, could pull off an upset. There. I, I think Illinois is the only bankable play here. The team that I feel comfortable it's going to at least get to the finals where I can hedge off of a number that's going to absolutely have them as either a favorite or a pick in the final game. It depends on who it is. Michigan, Purdue could vary. But, I mean, you're looking at them being a one-point favorite against Iowa in the semifinals, and you're looking at them not being an underdog in the finals. So I hate to square out. I mean, it's easy for anybody to turn on a microphone and say, yeah, take the hottest team in the, in the conference, but who's beating them for, for real? I mean, anybody in this I, – they could go anywhere and beat anybody right now. Yeah, I mean, I love Illinois. This is my team's beginning of the year. I said they're going to be peaking in March. Uh, I did bet on Ohio State on Saturday. Ohio State just couldn't make a three. I also was hoping there was a chance that the Sumo wouldn't play. But uh, the one thing that scares me, I mean, Illinois-Iowa could be a, just a, a thrilling high variance, high, crazy game like the first time they played. Um, the, the one thing that would concern me about Illinois is, I mean, you're buying them at the peak. I would like for them to lose also uh, before the cover, before the NCAA tournament, uh, <laughs> just personally for my future. But um, I, I, I'm worried about a potential rematch with Michigan. I mean, they went out and embarrassed Michigan on their home court. One by 23, were dancing. They showed up that game. We're showing them up. I'd be concerned about – the adjustments that Michigan would make coming back um, and then just the emotional uh, look, we need, we want to come out here after that game and, and really win this game. Who knows what that's worth, but that that's the, I would be really afraid of a Michigan, Illinois rematch on Sunday. Any final thoughts, Randall? Yeah, man. I'd love to see a rematch of Michigan, Illinois. Oh, that would be intense <laughs> for all the reasons you just said. Michigan kind of was caught napping there a little bit, got hit in the mouth, but they'll punch back. All right, let's go to the SEC. Oh, by the way, before we move on to the SEC, uh, Randall, any no love for uh, Rutgers potentially? No, listen, they just they struggle from the free throw line. They've been very up and down. I will tell you this: the key is Ron Harper because Ron Harper was cooking earlier in the year. It opens everything up for the bigs inside, and and they can score at the end. He kind of has been in and out. He was hot early in the game this past weekend, but then he struggled to score, got in foul trouble. He's the bellwether. If Ron Harper's putting in 20 to 25 points, 
Rutgers can absolutely make a run, but I do feel they're overly dependent on him because without them, they become kind of stationary. And Geo Baker has not been the Geo Baker shot maker last year, game winning shot guy. He had COVID earlier, got injured or whatever, comes back. So I think it's very Harper dependent. You need him to play well. Uh, All right, let's move on to the SEC conference tournament, which will take place uh, starting on Wednesday in Nashville, Tennessee at Bridgestone Arena. Here, it just means more. The top seed, Alabama Crimson Tide, will have a double bye. I mean, the first round game is between Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. There are 11 teams that get a bye because Auburn is ineligible to participate, but the teams that get a double bye into the quarters on Friday, Alabama and Tennessee, the top half, we will likely, assuming Florida doesn't lose the Vanderbilt or Texas A&M, which I think is a pretty safe assumption, we will get Tennessee, Florida again on Friday. Arkansas will take on the winner of Missouri, Georgia, and LSU gets that final bye. They will take on the winner of Ole Miss, South Carolina. Uh, I don't need to go too in-depth here. Tennessee, Florida, who's going to win that that game? I would tend to think Florida gets Tennessee, but they're going to play the day before. Um, Arkansas, LSU, uh, look, I mean, Ole Miss can be a tricky team. So am I buying Arkansas at the top? No. LSU, I have some questions about. Alabama, kind of been trending down. I'm going with Kentucky, but I'm not buying. I said this earlier. I'm not buying them anywhere in the market. At BetMGM, 16 to 1. Kentucky 16 to 1. I just told you, like, they're going to be close to a small favorite, and then they play Alabama. If you assume just they're a five-point underdog, and then they play Florida or Tennessee, if you assume that they're a three- or four-point underdog, and then in the final gets Arkansas. I mean, you're talking about 40 to 1, money line rollover. So four games in four days, that's what I'm going with. I'm just money line roll over Kentucky. They could play with anybody in the entire conference. They just lost to Florida by four, Florida of 71-67. Florida's biggest lead of the game, 71-67. They played Arkansas. They lost 81-80. I mean, they've lost so many close games. They can't close out games. You look back when they played Alabama at Alabama, they led 54-52 with 3.50 to go in the second half. And then Alabama ended up winning 70 to 59. They co- cannot close games. But Coach Cal usually has his team peaking towards March. They are starting to, I think, find the ideal lineup. What I mean by that is they are saying, ask you, we don't need you to play anymore. I mean, he is just absolutely miserable. They're playing mints now at the point more. I think that is just I just getting ask you out of the lineup as much as possible um, is the best thing that can happen to this team. So ask you playing point less you're getting mints in there who can actually score the ball he can actually put the ball in the hoop that's something that Askew is just incapable of doing um he's just he's, just a, he's a sieve out there offensively so you know you move boston to the shooting guard position playing some so the rotations i think are starting to get there it's a team that can't close but they have the talent to play with anybody in the conference they've been in games against everybody in the conference i mean they, they went to tennessee the other week and absolutely obliterated them they went up to florida uh, and won by 18. They beat tennis at Tennessee. They won by 15. They melted late against Florida at home. They melted late against Tennessee at home. So uh, they've been fine on the road um, in, in many spots here. So Mississippi State could be a war, um, but I'm taking a shot. I'm going to money line roll over with the potential of Kentucky and this new lineup with Mintz at the point and less ask you. Randall, thoughts on the SEC? 
Couldn't agree with you more with Kentucky. 2016, 2017, 2018, and 2019. What do each of those years have in common? In every single one of those years, Alabama has been eliminated from the SEC tournament by Kentucky. They did not want to see Kentucky, especially in their first game where Kentucky gets a warm-up against Mississippi State. Kentucky's making their free throws. They made the lineup change. Calipari gets it together in March. And listen, outside of this, I love Alabama. You guys know that. I don't see why you would take Alabama at their odds. If you're going to take a favorite, you have to take Arkansas with the way Arkansas is playing. And I'm sure Connor will agree with me. Woo, pig suey. The only other team I see is maybe Florida because, you know, I think Tennessee's a paper tiger. They have these miracle comebacks laid against Kentucky. And again, this weekend against a shorthanded Florida team at home, their defense is, is jumbo shrimp. It does not exist. So I could see Florida making a run there and end up matching up with Kentucky, who they just beat. So if you're looking for value, like you said, Kentucky at 16 to one and they've eliminated Alabama, they're comfortable against them and they're playing well outside of that. I'll go with Florida at six to one, but I just, I don't see the point in betting Bama at this point, even though I think that they are still on the outside, maybe if they made a run and won it and Illinois got upset, maybe you can make an argument. They could steal a one seed still, but that's the one they did not want to see Kentucky after being eliminated by them four times in a row in this tournament. Yeah, yeah, and Florida should have Trey Manback, who didn't play like last minute scratch with a migraine. Um, uh, uh, he's obviously really important uh, to what Florida wants to do. So you assume that he'll be back uh, after dealing with a migraine over the weekend. Colin, uh, are you going to make a case for your beloved hogs here? Well, as we get started, let me uh, tell all the listeners out there, in case it's your first time here, Woo Pig Suey. My name is etched twice on the campus of the University of Arkansas, so I will be completely neutral in this analysis. Woo Pig Suey. Colin's talking Razorback basketball. Digging into the SEC tournament, I think it's really important that everybody remembers that in 2013, the SEC went to a double by format. And it's been pretty astounding how tough it's been for teams that did not start on day three on Friday to not just win the championship game in SEC, but to even make the championship game. Since 2013, there have been 12 teams to make the championship game. One of them. Only one of them started their tournament on Wednesday or Thursday, and that was in Auburn in 2019. Everybody else since 2013 has been a top four seed. So, hey, Colin, while- Colin, was that 2013 year? Was that the, the Marshall Henderson year? with with Ole Miss I think it may have been yeah it may have been because the Ole Miss because I I was going to say in Bridgestone Arena like I mean Kentucky look look, listen Kentucky owns this tournament I was doing some research last night on it Kentucky's won 31 SEC conference tournaments if you combine all the current teams they have 27 so Kentucky has four more than everybody else combined when it comes to tournament championships so you know when it looks at when you look at Bridgestone Arena uh, Kentucky has four victories here Total Ole Miss has one, Randall. Uh, I believe there's uh, somebody else that I'm missing that pulled one in Bridgestone Arena. But, you know, I, I think when you look at teams that are starting on Thursday, they're at a serious disadvantage, and I'm not sure the odds really reflect that. So Kentucky is all about ball movement, right? It, it, you see them make three passes. It's a beautiful shot. They get open. With their size, it's unbelievable to me that they are dead last in the SEC in two-point shooting because of their size and their athleticism. I cannot believe that they are 44.5% in conference-only play on offense from two-point range. But once you see Kentucky start humming and moving the ball around, it's a completely different team. Now, you have to find them. They have to do that four times in a row, and they have to do it against a defense like Alabama. So I'm kind of throwing Kentucky out 
the history. I don't know if they'll get the ball movement going on offense. There's just a lot of things with Kentucky. I'm not sure they can put it together for four straight. Florida, I love. And Stuck mentioned it. Trey Mann sitting out against Tennessee. I think that was a huge loss. Migraine headache. I think it was like an hour before tip that he sat out. Loss aim against Tennessee. What that did is that put Tennessee in the four slot. It put te- uh, Florida in the five slot. Uh, assuming Florida won't, you know, choke against a Vanderbilt or Texas A&M, it was the only teams that are playing on day one. You'll get your Florida-Tennessee rematch. If Trey Mann is playing, that is definitely a buy. Colin Castleton has been a force in the paint this year uh, and should tear Tennessee apart. So I like Florida to make a run to the championship game on that side of the bracket. Alabama, it's getting pretty simple to find out how to stop Alabama's offense, which I think is the fastest in the nation, maybe second fastest in the nation. Get inside the passing lanes. That's it. And that really comes down to the analysis of why I think Arkansas is going to win the SEC championship game. They are the hottest team in the nation, Sands, Illinois. I said wins above bubble. Right now, they are second in the nation since February 1st, right behind Illinois. Not only are they on an 11-game winning streak in the SEC, they showed they, they put down the template on how to beat Alabama, get into the passing lanes. You don't need to be a huge rebounding team. You need to be, you need to excel in turnovers. You need to get into the passing lanes. You've got to cut the snake off at the head before it gets across half court. It helps to have good perimeter defense against a team like Alabama, but Arkansas right now, to give you an idea of how well this team is gelling, right? Everybody's healthy. In case you just haven't been watching SEC basketball. Arkansas was not healthy. Don't count any of the stats that led up to about mid-January or late January. We're talking Justin Smith is a powerhouse on the inside. Jalen Williams has been a great freshman turnaround project. Devo Davis is not the same player he was five weeks ago. And Jalen Tate is the most, is the name that is not being used on a national level, one of the best slashers in the nation. And so what you get is a team that disrupted Alabama, beat them pretty bad at home, will have no problems putting the clamps down on an LSU team that doesn't play any defense anyways. Uh, And this Arkansas team right now is shooting their second best free throw rate in program history. That's Eddie Sutton, Nolan Richardson, John Pelfrey days, and Dana Altman one day as a coach. This team right now is doing very, very special things from a numbers perspective. They have the ingredients that you need to stop Alabama. Their draw against LSU is no problem because LSU doesn't play any defense. And I think Florida could really make some disruption on the other side and Arkansas could catch them on day four, but keep it in mind in the SEC tournament, only one time since 2013 as a team from Wednesday or Thursday made it to the championship game. I think that bodes well for the top four seeds and it really bodes well for Arkansas. Well, yeah, you make a good case, but I will say the one thing you say since 2013, it's so hard for teams to, why you cry. Well, the reason is because Kentucky usually wins it every year. Kentucky won it into like 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. So that's one of the reasons why it's been hard for teams. Now Kentucky is one of those teams. Um, so that's why it could be a little different here. I hope we see Kentucky, Arkansas uh, in the championship. Don't start texting so, me. Don't start texting me. If they start playing the championship, I don't want to hear from you all day. I don't want to hear it on Twitter. I don't, I don't want to hear um, from you because I don't you have no pressure. Kentucky would be having to win to get in. The NCAA tournament, you can God, just skip I, back and. I feel everybody. I, I feel bad for everybody in my house. I'm just going to be unbearable for the next three weeks. I'm going to be so unbearable with this Arkansas run. Three weeks. I can't believe you think you're lasting three weeks. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's move on to the Big Twelve Conference tournament, which will start on Wednesday in Kansas City, Missouri, at the T-Mobile Center. If you hate gambling, go listen to NPR. And all ten teams compete. First round games between TCU and Kansas State. 
by the way, Kansas State's pretty intriguing to me in that game. They match up really well at TCU and playing better at the end of the year. Oklahoma, think about it. Oklahoma, who set a record for beating the most top 10 teams in a month, and I think over 40 years, is, is the seventh seed in the Big 12 playing in the first round of Wednesday. They'll take on Iowa State. Iowa State played them tough twice in the regular season, covered both numbers, both double-digit numbers. Uh, but the teams with the Bayou, Baylor, they are the top overall seed. They'll play the winner of TCU, Kansas State. You can pretty much throw them into the semifinals. They would then take the take on the winner of West Virginia, Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State went two Morgans out to beat West Virginia State without, likely without Cade Cunningham last week. Um, they are just playing outstanding basketball. In the bottom half, you have Kansas would take on the winner of Oklahoma, Iowa State. You assume it's Oklahoma. Really good potential game. And then Texas, Texas Tech. I mean, these quarterfinal games on Thursday in the Big 12 – Baylor, you know, Baylor, they're going to move on. But West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, Texas Tech in the quarterfinals. Um, The intriguing team here to me is Texas plus 750. I've said that they're going to – look, they were underachieving. They dealt with COVID. They haven't really been healthy. I brought them to the table as a potential future, national title future. They've really looked strong here down the stretch. I think they've looked better defensively. They're now top 30 in the nation of both offensive and defensive efficiency. They won at Iowa State with ease. They won at Oklahoma. They won at TCU. They haven't, they haven't bet, beat Texas Tech yet, who they'd have to beat in the first round. They've lost, they lost both meetings. But I think they get their revenge here, which gives them value. I mean, bo- both of the games were absolutely crazy if you look back at the Texas-Texas Tech games. So I'm taking a shot here and think that Texas beats Texas Tech. If they do, they get Kansas, presumably, or Oklahoma. And I think they match up really well with Kansas. They beat, they swept Kansas. Now you always worry about the Bill self-revenge factor. And Kansas did take them to overtime last time after getting absolutely blown out, got their doors blown off at Lawrence. But they took them to overtime in their last meeting. But Texas shot five of 26 for, from three and still found a way to win. Um, so I think the intriguing team here is Texas. And the bottom half, tricky bracket to figure out to so many really good teams. And then obviously you have a monster in Baylor. But Baylor, look, are they really they had three games in three days? It looks like they're back to full strength, but maybe their legs go, maybe their focus goes. I don't know. Um, I also think Oklahoma State, maybe they hold back Cunningham. He's hurt. They're already in the tournament. What do they do? Likely. I, so that's a question as well. Red, I'll throw it to you with thoughts on Big 12. Yeah, it would have been Oklahoma State. That win against West Virginia without Cunningham and without Likely. And listen, there's some talk now. Maybe they're better without Likely. Garbage. Avery Anderson was incredible in that game. Caleb Boone hits more blocks from behind on the trail. Uh, Just a tremendous team Mike Boynton has going on. But I agree. I think they're going to hold him out for the tournament, which makes that West Virginia against Baylor game. Do I think West Virginia is going to beat Baylor? No, I don't, especially after that second half there against Texas Tech where they blitz them. So I think Baylor's getting in. The question is, what team do I like to beat Baylor? And honestly, I I agree with you, Stuck. I think it comes back to Texas. Texas Tech does not have enough offense. They gave it their best shot, but they're going to go through stretches, Texas Tech, where they're not scoring. Like people are keying on McClung now. He torched Texas the first time they played there with the big shot. That's not going to happen anymore. So I think your value is Texas. Nine to one here at BetMGM. Earlier in the year, they were playing great with the tournament. They sort of died a little bit, but the bigs inside are playing well. Greg Brown's a monster. They have three veteran guards, Matt Coleman, big shots they can make. And listen, I know the issues with Shaka and the Texas fans are going to say Shaka in a big spot. 
But if you look at the bracket, if Oklahoma State is not healthy and they hold those guys out, there's very little case to be made in the top. So now we're in the bottom. I think Kansas, listen, revenge factor with self, but I just don't think they have a go-to guy. You know, last year, as a Buki inside, they have the point guard. They have a different makeup. This team is everyone is sort of okay. And in a tournament setting here, in a close game, someone's got to make a big shot. And I think Texas has proven that over and over again, more so than Kansas. So I think the play here is Texas for me or nothing. Yeah, and Kansas is not necessarily a lock to get by Oklahoma, by the way. Uh, Oklahoma, I mean, look, this, this is going to happen in this Big 12, which is just loaded up top. They lost four in a row to close out the year. Lost in overtime to Oklahoma State. Then they lost by four against Oklahoma State. Coming back, they lost by four to Texas. They're right there. They split with Kansas during the regular season. Uh, any thoughts, Colin, on the Big 12? Well, I wanted Oklahoma State, but you really got to see the status of Cunningham. If you want a team that likes to win quad one games – it's Oklahoma State, eight and five on the season. They only show up for big games. Uh, but I, I, you know, I agree with you guys. Texas is the play on the bottom side of the bracket. Uh, you got to hope that that free throw percentage doesn't catch up with them in some of these games. But they get a great draw with, with whoever's going to win between Kansas and Oklahoma. Texas has already beat Kansas twice. I know it was close, but you know, I, I think Texas is definitely the play here. I kind of. I want to make a case for West Virginia, but I think they're priced out. I think they're priced correctly, especially if Cunningham's not playing. That's a game that I project West Virginia minus one if Cunningham is there. So, you know, taking West Virginia, thinking that Cunningham isn't going to be there for Oklahoma State, may have a little bit of value. They got to get by Baylor. So, you know, I think West Virginia and Texas are the teams that I like to meet in the finals, but I think West Virginia is priced correctly and Texas is not. All right, before we move on to the conference tournaments that start on Thursday – I want to paint a quick picture for you. With the help of our friends at Athletic Brewing Company, brewers are the most flavorful, non-alcoholic beer money can buy. So just picture this. Last week, you made a bet. Let's say you bet Belmont to win the Ohio Valley Conference, and after it's all said and done, they get upset by Morehead State in the championship game. You're furious. You're heartbroken. You go to your local park to take a walk and clear your head. You start walking on a nature trail, trying to forget all about the Belmont Bruins, but the trail is in such rough shape that you trip, roll your ankle, fall down and break your phone. It's a total nightmare scenario. Well, not anymore, thanks to our friends at Athletic Brewing Company. For years now, Athletic Brewing has been making award-winning beers that celebrate the innovation and flavor of great craft beer, but without the alcohol. And with their Two for the Trails program, they donate 2% of all sales dollars to maintaining trails and parks, often underserved by government budgets. Well-maintained trails and parks are essential for any gambler looking to cool down after a bad loss, and they'll stay that way thanks to Athletic Brewing Company. So if you want to support this show, head to athleticbrewing.com. Check out their selection and place an order using code ACTION15. Again, that's ACTION15. This gets new customers 15% off their first order. And if you order two or more six-packs, shipping is always free. That's athleticbrewing.com. Use the code ACTION15 on that first order. And enjoy the flavor while keeping that gambling edge. All right, let's move on to Thursday with the AAC conference tournament i am really looking forward to this for one reason and it is the rematch of houston and memphis which we should get right the top five seeds all get a bye wichita state's actually the number one seed they'll play the winner of south florida temple up top you also have smu and since smu hasn't played in forever i think over a month the bottom half it's houston and memphis houston has to beat the winner of tulsa tulane you assume they do that memphis has to play the winner of ucf East Carolina, and Memphis is, can be Jekyll and Hyde. I assume they get by either of those teams, and then it sets up that Memphis, Houston, these teams hate each other. 
You have Lester Quinones, he's doing his guitar after he makes threes. Every time Houston started making threes, they were playing the guitar. Uh, I mean, just an unbelievable game. Memphis played right with them till the end. Um, this team is, I think, playing extremely good basketball. Yeah, they can't shoot free throws. You hope that they call the game not really tight, if they did, which they did in, in this game against Houston. They still almost won. Houston went to the line, I think, 18 times in the first half. The second half, they kind of put their whistles away. They didn't go to the line as much, but Memphis was in foul trouble uh, throughout, and they still hung. DeAndre Williams had a hell of a game, even though he was in foul trouble. Uh, I like this team. I think they match up well. They can match up well athletically. They can cover Grimes. They can rebound on both ends of the floor, which you need to do against Houston. I mean, Houston is not uh, a huge team by any stretch of the imagination, but they are just so good on the glass on both ends. So, look, Memphis at GM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast, you can get Memphis plus 550. I think they're going to give Houston a run for their money in the semifinals. I wouldn't be shocked if they win that game. Game should be awesome. And then, you know, they would get the winner of presumably Wichita State or SMU, who hasn't played in forever. Now you're going to ask them to win three games in three days. Wichita State, Look, I, I'm not a I'm not a big believer in them. Some are. They did get blown out by Memphis in their only meeting this year. But Wichita State, look, they beat UCF in overtime. They beat South Florida in overtime. They beat Ole Miss by four. They beat Tulsa by four. They beat Temple by three. UCF in their next in the second game against UCF, they won by one. Houston by five. I mean, they they've won so many close games. One of the luckiest teams in the nation. Um, no one's been able to make a three against them. I think there's some shooting regression coming. So I'm rolling with Memphis here. Maybe, hopefully the free throws don't come back to, to bite me, but this team is uber talented. I really hope they get into the big dance. So give me Memphis plus 550. Randall, what do you got? Yeah, Memphis has impressed me. I'm a believer. I faded them the second half of the year, but they have stuck it to me every time, including against Houston. You hit it, Stuck. They can rebound the ball. They battle inside. CC, the freshman, has really come along and been a, a much, much better player inside. They can rebound. There is just no value here on the bottom part of these numbers. I mean, Wichita State is a paper tiger there is the one seed. I'm not believing in them at all. You said they played Houston. They lost. They played Memphis. They got blown out. Uh, people would have liked Cincinnati, but no DeJulius anymore. He's opted out. You know, I love my Tulsa team, but they're just a step below on on, on offense this year. They're, the magic is gone, at least not this year. But So I can't really find a number there. I think Temple's a year away. So, yeah, for me, it's Memphis, like you said, plus 550 at BetMGM. They can stand up to Houston, one of the few teams that can do it. Houston's been steamrolling teams, and they were in trouble against Memphis at home there. Tigers showed a lot. Penny's done a good job. They're making threes. They're defending the three, and they're battling against the boards. It's Memphis or bust. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's this and this Memphis team is so deep. So even if they do get in foul trouble, I mean, they have as much depth as as anyone in the country. So winning three games in three days is definitely not an issue. I love this Houston team. They are tough. Grimes, uh, I mean, he can get red hot. I love Drew. I mean, it's a really it's just uh, this team does a lot of things well. Uh, but I think Memphis it matches up fairly well and they're going to give them a run for their money. Houston. They did beat Wichita State once and then lose to Wichita State. You know, it was just an odd game from when I watched it. And Wichita State was red hot. Um, Houston blew a big lead. And I'm I'm not a buyer in Wichita State. It's just been getting really fortunate all year. So it's Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers for me. 
All right, let's move on to some action, which also starts on Thursday in Cleveland, Ohio. Max yourself. Who's the man? Uh, which is where the whole tournament will be scheduled. In years past, you would have home games in the first round, but only the top eight teams make this tournament. Western Michigan, Eastern Michigan, Central Michigan, all of your directional Michigans didn't make it, in addition to Northern Illinois. You want to talk about a wide-open conference? I could make a case for almost everybody. I mean, even Miami, Ohio, Ball State have really talented guards. The top two, you know, the top three seats, Toledo, Akron, and Buffalo. Buffalo, so talented, but they are one of the streak. – they're like Eastern Kentucky, one of the streakiest teams in, in the nation. They just will – Go on 10 runs, give up 12 runs, and have Jekyll and Hyde halves. Akron and Toledo, great offenses. I do have questions about both defenses. For me, this is kind of a stick to your guns play from the beginning of the year. It's Bowling Green, uh, 10 to 1 at BetMGM, the official odds provider of the Action Network podcast. I, look, Justin Turner, who I love, I think arguably is the best play overall player right now in the MAC, and they're finally getting shooting. This is a team that just bottomed out just absolutely bottomed out the early on in february they had lost six straight they were getting blown out in some games um you know then they closed the year winning four straight and then they lost to miami ohio in overtime but there's they started to make some shots to team playing with a lot of confidence they won at akron by the way february 26th that's their first round opponent this is just these, these teams are so close you give me this Bowling Green team who I thought was going to win it before the year at 10-1. to 1. They're going to have to play maybe Buffalo or Miami of Ohio, probably Buffalo in the second round. They went to Buffalo and won earlier this year. So their first two likely opponents, Akron and Buffalo, they already beat them on the road. This team could beat anybody in the conference. So Ball State's 25-1, to 1, Miami of Ohio 35-1. to 1. If you wanted to take a flyer, sure, I could really make a case for anybody here, except for really Toledo, Akron, and Buffalo. I just think it's so wide open. I don't want any of the favorites. Bowling Green at 10 to 1 at Ben MGM, uh, worth a shot, in my opinion. I'll be on the Falcons. Randall, thoughts on the Mac? Yeah, I'm with you on Bowling Green. The, all the reasons you said are true. All those wins, they beat Toledo, Buffalo, Akron on the road. Justin Turner can take over. That could be their path. That, they, yep. If all the favorites win, that's the path of the three teams that they would have to beat. And that's the negative is the draw, but the value's there. The mm-hmm. offense was struggling. They're 10th in two-point percentage and 11th in three-point percentage, but not lately. They have improved efficiency. They have the freshman, Matheny, 10 points per game. Trey Diggs, 11.5 points per game. The senior, those two, not Turner, the other two have combined to shoot 44.8%. That's 22 of 49 from three over the past three games. So they're getting hot. You look at these teams, Kent State, no Nuga. Buffalo free throws and turnovers. Toledo with some odd road losses at Ball State, Central Michigan. So every team is flawed. I like the Falcons a lot. If you wanted one more flyer, I would look at Ohio. They have to be healthy, but certainly they have the offense and the potency and the up and down play there to make a run. They had a nice run in the middle there where they beat Ball State. They beat Buffalo away. They beat Akron. They lost to Buffalo at home to end the season. So maybe people have cooled on them a little bit. But if you're looking for value, I agree. I'm not going for the top teams, not in the MAC. This is always an exciting tournament. You have Ohio at eight to one, but the one I like, Bowling Green, ten to one. They were the preseason favorite. They did get hot for a while. Maybe people will cool there because of the recent loss. But overall, I'm looking at a team here that was winning four in a row before Miami of Ohio. Now they're going to start off. They have a tough road, but ten to one for Bowling Green with Justin Turner and a team that's making threes. I will take it in the MAC. Yeah, I mean Ohio is an interesting case. But by the way, Kent State, who I, I did like, I love their interior play. They don't have one of their best players in Michael Nuga, their guard who's out for the year. Ohio, it was a, 
a question of whether or not they would even be able to play in this tournament. I don't even know. They, maybe they're, they could still withdraw uh, because they've dealt with so many COVID issues. Now, in their final game, September and February 27th, they did have everyone. They had Jason Preston, who's a potential NBA player, um, really can do it all, guard. Um, and, you know, Dwight Wilson was back. But then they had more COVID issues, so I don't know how healthy they'll be. That's the, the, the offense is there when fully healthy, but I don't know how much, you know, if they're in rhythm, how much, you know, their fitness could be an issue as well, trying to win three games in three days. So that's what really kept me off at Ohio, but I, I don't disagree with the potential. All right, so Colin, Colin Mike, Randall and I both agree on Bowling Green. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to go completely other side of the bracket from you guys. I'm going to do Toledo. I think the price is right down to plus 160. So you'll want to do your shopping there because look at the just look at who they're going to face, right? So Ball State beat them earlier this season, but Toledo just drummed them by 19 points on Friday. So this opening spread should be around minus eight for the for the first game. And then when you get into Kent State and Ohio, it should be anywhere from five to seven points. So when you get a Toledo future at plus 160, plus 180 that I've seen out there, pretty much you can ride that sweat free all the way into the championship game where you can do some hedging if you want to, because listen to the teams that you guys are mentioning, Buffalo, Bowling Green, Akron, they're they're on the other side of the bracket. Look at who Toledo only had four conference losses. One came to Ball State. They just avenged that, hammered them by 19. Central Michigan didn't even qualify for this tournament. Bowling Green, other side of the bracket. Akron from overtime, other side of the bracket. I think Toledo is a team that you can easily get. You can get them right now in the future plus money. I think there's going to be no sweat getting into the championship game. And if you like scoring, this is your offense. 13th in the nation in three-point shooting percentage, 16th in the nation in relying on the three-point shot for their point distribution. They love to jack threes. It's like it's like the Alabama team. I mean, it's all they want to do is jack threes. Uh, they're also 10th in the nation, not just in the MAC, 10th in the nation in defending the perimeter. Uh, so you're going to have to bring your A game, uh, pack a lunch to come play Toledo. Uh, so I like them getting into the championship game with that plus number, and then you can figure out what to do with it when they get to the finals. Yeah, well, look, they could shoot, and Marion Jackson's an excellent, excellent point guard, and he sets everyone up. Can they keep shooting at that clip? I mean, 38.5% for the year and in conference play? Maybe, because they just get great shots. I mean, there's a really efficient offense with Jackson at the helm. They don't turn it over. Uh, they're great at the line. But the defense, I, I still have a lot of questions about. And they're holding teams to 29% three-point shooting. I don't know if that's – I think that's fluky. So, will the regression hit? I mean, they give up a ton of open looks. Uh, this is not a great perimeter defense. Uh, they, they're, they give up a ton of threes, and I think they've just been fortunate. So that's the one thing that I worry about with Toledo. But I do agree with you that, you know, they'll be sizable favorites over Ball State to start. And then you have questions about Kent State without Nuga. You have questions with with Ohio, you know, late in the year dealing with all these COVID issues. So they definitely have a really favorable draw in that top half. I think something else that you've got to pay attention to, and I know I said this on the last pod, I'm going to say it on this pod, I'm going to say it on every pod, you got to pay attention to free throw rate. And if you look at Toledo, they are the best defensive free throw rate in the MAC. They do not send teams to the line at all. As a matter of fact, they're 17th in the nation. They're not just top of the MAC. They're 17th in the nation in defensive free throw rate. So you're going to have to find ways to beat Toledo. You're going to have to stop that three point shot and don't expect to get to the line to have as many free points. How beautiful is Maction? How <laughs> beautiful is Maction? Oh, man. Just when we thought we had peak Maction. All right. Uh, all right. Let's get to the Big East Conference Tournament now. Obviously, one of the most famous conference tournaments. All right. This tournament will take place starting on Wednesday. Of 
course, at Madison Square Garden. Top five seeds get a bye. Championship will be played on Saturday. Villanova, the one seed. Creighton, the two seed. Villanova in the top half. Creighton on the bottom half. The three seed, UConn on the bottom half as well with Creighton. Villanova will get the winner of Georgetown Marquette. And then the winner of St. John Seton Hall, who just played. They will play again. Seton Hall, I was on them. Up 18-0 in that game. And I folded, just completely folded. I, Posh Alexander's status important. Him and Jeff Penny, I mean, if they're in, both in for St. John's, a dangerous team. I actually think Seton Hall matches up pretty well with them. Seton Hall, one of the most experienced teams in the country with Mamu. I mean, but they are just folding down the stretch here. Uh, it's a team that I want to back here to take a shot. They lost four straight to end the year. They really, I mean, their three-point numbers shooting-wise and defensively are so bad. You would think that there's some potential regression coming in that department. Positive regression, I should say. So, look, Creighton, they have, oh, yeah, maybe some distractions. They did show up on Saturday with their coach. You have Villanova, who's trying to make do without Gillespie. So, I think it's a vol- it's a tournament where you can look for a shot here. I, if you have a really good feeling on the winner of St. John's and Seton Hall, I want to believe in Seton Hall here. And if you could find like a twenty to one on Seton Hall, I mean, it's a game that should be around a pick. That I would. Love to take a shot of the Pirates. Maybe you can help me out here, Randall, on whether or not I should trust them or where else we can look. And then obviously if UConn with Book Knight playing as well as anyone in the conference as the three seed. Uh, Randall, what do you see here in the Big East? Yeah, not Willard for me, not Seton Hall. We've seen this now. Got out big against UConn, folded. Got out big against St. John's, folded. That's their M.O. If Posh Alexander is healthy, I don't see why you Creighton can't take, too. I don't see why you can't go for St. John's at, at 20 to 1. If Posh Alexander is healthy – they're home. They play great defense. I know it's a hold your nose spot because they lost away to Butler in overtime. They lost to DePaul, but they were playing really strong. They still have a win over UConn. No book night in that game, but that's the long shot for, for me. But if you're looking for my best choice, it's UConn. UConn is the best team in the Big East, period. They battled through COVID pauses, injuries. They're now fully healthy. Book night's back. They've won five or six since he's returned. The only loss was the one at Villanova where the Wildcats, of course, filled up with more and Gillespie, no injuries there. They have the best defensive team in the Big East. They hold you down. They have multiple bigs, lead and block percentage. And basically every other contender in the conference has flaws that are going to be exposed. I mean, we have Villanova with the injuries. Creighton just came out now while we were, we were recording this that uh, McDermott has been reinserted, but certainly the mojo there is not good. And UConn has no trouble playing defense against Creighton. They played him earlier this year. And they almost beat him at UConn. So they are not afraid of that. They can score. They can come back. I know the odds aren't great. It's three to one, but I'll take it. I don't like Villanova. I don't like any of the other teams. Certainly, you know, you're going to look at this bracket. And I'm going to start laughing because if you look at it, I'm not taking Marquette. Okay. So if you're looking for an upset against Villanova because they're shorthanded, it's not going to be Marquette. I guess it would be Georgetown. But I believe in UConn. Best balance, best player, best team, well coached, peaking at the right time. Kyle, anything on the Big East? St. John's falls in a part of the bracket where they're going to get Seton Hall, who's folding like a cheap suit, and then potentially against Villanova, who just took two huge injuries with Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore, not expected to return for the tournament. Gillespie and Moore for Villanova, they had 79% of total minutes, which is, I mean, terrible news for a team that is 325th in bench minutes. So Villanova's a team I'm not even sure – you know, if they can get past Marquette and Georgetown, they'll certainly be favored. But then taking on a St. John's team, it should be there with Posh Alexander coming back, named to the all-freshman team, one of the best defensive players 
in all of the Big East. Uh, you know, St. John's is, I think, peaking at the right time. And they're on the opposite side of the bracket from Creighton, Providence, Connecticut. I don't want any part of any of those teams. So give me the 20 to 1 on St. John's against a team on the decline and then a heavily injured Villanova squad to possibly make the championship game. And, you know, we'll figure out what to do with the 20 to 1 in the championship game. But to me, that's where the value is. Yeah, I think if that's that's the whole cap here is that this undermanned Villanova team, uh, they're still being priced as if they're one of the, I think they're just, I mean, they're three to one. I think that is way too generous after the injuries that they suffered suffered and they're still trying to figure it out. So whoever you think is going to win that St. John's Seton Hall game, that's who you roll with. Um, and then obviously just the price difference. Like BetMGM, Seton Hall's 12 to one, St. John's is 20 to one. In that case, yeah, I'm taking St. John's 20 to one, especially if Alexander's back. We have the, the Southland Conference Tournament, which starts on Tuesday. Song, song of the South. I mean, this you want, you want to pull up a bracket. That's funny. I mean, Nichols State and Abilene Christian, they're the, they're the top two seeds. Stephen F. Austin's not eligible. They have buys at the semifinals on Friday. If you want to get to them as the 7 through 10 seed, you got to win three games just to get to them. They start on Tuesday. Lamar is a 6 seed. They start on Wednesday. They have to win four games in four days. It's a team that's closed out the year strong. They had some first-place votes before the year. Bad shooting aggression. They're starting to put it together. I mean, 50 to 1, I don't know. But I, I think Abilene Christian by far is the best team in this conference. I think you could see someone give Nichols State a run for its money. I think they some regression is coming for them as the one seed. Uh, I laid it with Abilene Christian minus 175. Call me crazy. You would get better value with a two-game money line rollover if there were no upsets. But could Lamar beat Sam Houston State? Sure. Could Northwestern State or New Orleans beat Nichols? I don't see it. The same thing I, I could say for the Big West. I roll with Santa Barbara. I think they are head and shoulders above the rest of the conference. I would be devastated if I don't if we don't get them in the NCAA tournament. I think they are primed for an upset. Big Sky, I completely passed on SWAC. Uh, throw a dart at a dartboard. The same with the MIAC. The MIAC tournament uh, is sad looking. And then the WAC, call me crazy, Loyola, Maryland, uh, made me not look crazy on Saturday. I probably will go back to New Mexico State, maybe living up to its preseason expectations. They seem to be figuring some things out um, in the WAC. You can get them at BetMGM, I don't know, plus 250. Grand Canyon's a favorite at plus 115. All right, before we get out of here, let's bring in Kyle McEwen, who will give three of his favorite futures for the conference tournaments that start this week. What do you got, Kai? All right, my first pick for conference tournament futures. We're going to the ACC with UNC. The Tar Heels are plus 425 currently to win the ACC championship. They just have a, a, a good path here, a preferable path compared to the other teams. Uh, when you're looking at who can actually win the ACC championship, you think Virginia, you think Florida State, and then you think UNC. UNC side of the bracket, it, it's pretty favorable. They have Florida State in the second round possibly, but that's only if Florida State can get past either Louisville or Duke two teams that can certainly beat the Knolls. Hence, UNC, for me, is a better value for them. Also, with UNC, you get to avoid teams like Virginia, teams like Georgia Tech, one of the hottest teams in the country right now. And instead, you get a team like Notre Dame, very beautiful, as well as Virginia Tech, who hasn't played in a long time due to COVID. UNC has the most reliable front court in the ACC. They just need better guard play. Can they shoot well enough? Can they take care of the ball? I'm willing to find out for plus 425 on UNC. My second pick is Illinois plus 375 in the Big Ten. Shouldn't have an issue getting out of their side of the bracket, especially with Io to some new back in the lineup. 
They get to avoid Ohio State and Michigan. Biggest test for them will be Iowa. Joe Wieskamp could be hobbled for the Hawkeyes. Absolutely huge for them. Also, Illinois has already beaten Iowa. Match up very well. At plus 375, you're getting almost three times the value versus what you would get from Michigan, who has to face most likely Michigan State, as well as Purdue on their way to the championship. Illinois plus 375 is great value in the Big Ten. My third pick is Memphis, plus 550 in the American. Can they beat Houston? That is the major question. Well, we almost saw them do just that this past week. They lost on a half-court shot to the Houston Cougars. It's worth a flyer at plus 550, priced way higher than Houston and Wichita, a team that's had COVID struggles of its own. And a healthy Alex Lomax would go a long way for the Tigers. He could be back with an ankle injury. That would be huge. Even without Lomax, it's still one of the most talented rosters in the country. Memphis can absolutely make a run towards the American Championship at plus 550. All right, so Kai went with UNC. We didn't really talk about it, UNC and the ACC since I knew Kai was going to talk about it. Illinois, so I know, Colin, you agree with that, and Memphis, which Randall and I agree with. So uh, don't hate any of those three picks. To run through everything again, the ones that we really spent time on, ACC, Randall and Colin on Georgia Tech. I'm a little worried about their depth, but I can see it, especially if you get that 20 to 25 to 1, which you could find out there. Conference USA, Randall made a case for Louisiana Tech. I made a case for Marshall. Mountain West, really consensus on Colorado State. We've covered uh, just a crazy amount of conference tournaments that start this week. It's just the beginning of all of our content on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app. We appreciate all of you listening. But let's just go through what's around the board. Mention one or maybe two, if you can't just limit it to, to one, that you feel the most confident about or you just want to reiterate. Well, the one I'm going with is Colorado State. I think it's a wide open Mountain West. Love the shooting. Love the coach. They defend the arc. Roddy inside. My only concern is foul trouble. You saw that with Thistlewood in Nevada. This is you're getting good odds. You're getting six to one. I don't want a favorite. I don't want a super long shot for my recommendation. So how about a team that I think top to bottom has played the best in the conference and has knocked off each of the top three teams in Colorado State? Oh. Mike Anderson, Eric Musselman. Mike Anderson, Eric Musselman. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Ar- I'm gonna go with Arkansas to win the SEC. Uh, look for a number of three to one or better. I'll recommend just because you're gonna get don't don't bet Kentucky to win it, but a money line roll over Kentucky. And if you want to stop in the conference title, sure you can. But I think that's the way to go. But uh, the one I'll mention is Memphis plus five hundred. Um, I think they get to that semifinal game, and then I think that's just a complete war against Houston. I think they're going to have a good shot. They're going to be playing for their tournament lives. And I think they're going to have a good shot to win that game. Should be an awesome game to watch. It's like one of the games I'm looking forward to most this week. So hopefully it happens. And then I think the winner of that game beats Wichita State or SMU who hasn't played in a month. So Memphis 5-6-1. to one. I think that's the look. All right. That'll do it for us. Thank you all for listening. Appreciate your support. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. You know the drill. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. It really helps us out. Look, it's March. It's the most beautiful time of the year. Let's have a month. And uh, we're going to go get to work some more. Cheers. Peace out. March popcorn, the best. Enjoy the madness. Cheers. All right. We're finished talking.